The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson. Each week on the podcast, we visit a different foodie city and explore the cuisine that makes that place special, whether it be custard tarts in Lisbon, mango beer in Mumbai, or lizard curry in Guatemala. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Well, that sounded like a 16600 pour this morning. It <laughs> sounded a little heavy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good morning, Bobby, everybody. Absolutely. <laughs> Welcome Please. to the Winemakers. I'm John Myers with Brian Casey and Sam Katuri, an old friend of the pod, Bob Cabral, today. Bob, how nice is it to see you, man? Yeah. It's great to see you guys, especially and see your faces, right. too. I'm, you know. Uh, I have been uh, double vaccinated. I've been boosted and wearing my mask and everything else. And in January, I got it. Finally. No. Yeah. My wife still hasn't gotten it. Yeah. But it's, you know, I, I, my hands hurt so bad from alcohol and you know, when the, when this latest was it Delta now, we went from Omicron to, I've lost track. I'll I, be honest with I you. I thought Omicron was the last one, but for all I know, there's another one. Yeah. Well, there's another one. Coming. Well, Thank whatever it is, uh, I think I got that one. So I was laid up like maybe three days, like a bad flu, to be honest with you. Mm. But I'm also 60. I'm old. So, you know, right. fat and old, which is good. I own it. I love it. Um, but the worst part was my wife quarantined me. Ouch. I, she wouldn't let me out of the house. No, this is no lie. She took my yeah. keys to my yeah. Jeep and said, I go, can I just run to this grocery store? And like, you know, I was going to grab like ice cream and cookies. She knows when I go to the studio, you know, send me to the store by myself. I'm bad in that way. And she's like, no. And I'm like, can I go to the post office just to get some stamp? No. No. Yeah. She quarantined. No. So by about day five, I was, oh, oh my God, I need to see a human. Sure. Besides my wife. Staying, and, staying in sucks. That, I mean, it's yeah. Really, it's but, hard to do. But my eight and a half year old, great Dane, and I bonded. She she laid on the bed with me. and for, Especially ask, the first couple days. I was going <laughs> to ask, what, what were you watching? Because my wife did the same thing to me when I thought I had it. She locked me in our bedroom for three days. And so yeah. I watched Law and Order Marathon. I like. Let's see. I watched a, a bunch of uh, Netflix uh Documentaries. So a couple on yeah. Bob Dylan, uh, yeah. Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Uh, one was called Have a Nice Trip. Um, oh. The rise in, yes. <laughs> of psychedelics. And they talk all these uh, you know, the actors. Only a rise, no fall. Yeah, yeah, no fall. Help, I've tripped and I can't get down. Yeah. <laughs> Have a nice trip, right? Wasn't it something like that? And uh, it was super interesting. All these uh uh, movie stars tv stars talked about their experiences either with acid or mushrooms and you know like ben stiller's like you don't eat mushrooms and then go to a concert at madison square garden yeah, kind no. of thing <laughs> or cirque du soleil or cirque du, yeah right and so it was kind of funny to listen to them you know just recall it but you definitely want to do this so i watched stupid stuff like stuff my wife would never watch right exactly. you know yeah, so exactly. and then i'll be honest with you i listened to a lot of music um i had my laptop I like the TED Talks. Yeah, yeah those are pretty um, good. 
uh, not to get caught up on uh, your winemakers podcast listening, of course. Right? Yeah, I'm listening. Definitely. <laughs> the ones I could get, some of them wouldn't come through. But yeah, um, we'll talk to our technical department. Pod, yeah. Podfather immediately. Um, but also just, um, you know, kind of catching up on. Uh, I listen to the Calm app once a day in the mornings when I have a cup of tea. I, I do either 10 or 20 minutes and just have tried this meditation because the world is just. It yeah. seems like collapsing around us at times. My daughter's that up it does, in uh, Portland at Lewis and Clark. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure now. There's, I think, because I quit watching the TV, I don't turn it on in the mornings anymore. Um, I think World War Three could be going. I don't know. Well, I hope, they uh, have I'm not, just very sad that we're not. CNN and Fox are hoping. Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> I need I the just, ratings. I'm just hoping the world says, look, we, we can't treat people like this. Yeah. You know, you can't just like bomb people out of houses and so it's so strange for over here because in europe it seems like they've done it so many times it's like generational it's like oh yeah my grandfather got bombed back at world war ii and it's like it becomes okay you know and and it's not not well to sonoma we have rain today. Not enough, certainly. And I'm digging it. But, yeah. it's, but my peaches are hating it. <laughs> <laughs> All those blossoms on that green tree. Full blossom. It's, oh, they, it's like three weeks early. I even watered my peaches last month. And uh, and you thank God my pears aren't out yet. But yeah, I think my peach crop may be a little bit shy. Will this it year. really hurt the buds? I mean, it's so little rain today. Well, what happens is that any bud that's kind of cupped straight up, uh, if that water sits in there, my I, my dad farmed about uh, 400 acres of almonds down by Modesto Ammons. before I left for college. And they would bloom about this time. And if we got a rain, the buds that were um, facing straight up, uh, the water would sit in there and rot it. Wow. Uh, and so they would either prophylactically spray on benlate, which is a fungicide. This is back in the 60s and 70s. Um or he even had helicopters go and try and over the wow. over the orchards to dry it, dry it a little bit. Um, but the buds that are kind of hanging over to the side, they're they okay. should fertilize. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless we got, you know, a couple inches. Man, I, don't, just, I don't think I'm going to get more than a quarter. No. I think if we get a quarter. quarter out of this, we're stoked. And I used to fight the squirrels for our peaches. I mean, Well, I do that daily. in the summer. That and the <laughs> raccoons. I got a family of raccoons that, yeah. They like peaches. Well, I think they're distilling it and making grappa or something. Are they, I, <laughs> nobody I want to cut that, of that. <laughs> nobody goes through that many peaches. Squirrel you know? grappa from Healdsburg. Yeah. Man. From the raccoon, it's a, it's a real the story. raccoon brothers, the raccoon brothers. You know, <laughs> I can picture the label with the little black we eyes. We can do it, Sam. <laughs> totally. I think there's a spot available to open a tasting room right there on the plaza. In like there. There's bees, probably four anyway. or five right now. Make note, <laughs> raccoon brothers, raccoon brothers, uh, uh, okay. peach grappa. Yeah. Probably be delicious, yeah. except for the whole raccoon piss part of it. Yeah. <laughs> potential rabies and all the other diseases they go <laughs> anyway oh my God. we digress a bit here. that's all oh, man, okay this, man this, you're gonna have to do some serious editing if, if there well, is uh, no editing we don't, we don't edit. we'll edit this as much as we've ever edited one episode yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> just about the same <laughs> it's called live so basically yeah, honestly not zero big no, no, zero no. we edit uh to the ability of our technical of our technical abilities well, which is <laughs> Yeah. John maybe has the most. <laughs> I, I can do it, but it's pain. No, we want it live. We want everything. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. The yeah. best thing is that you uh, came, you brought some wines. You're about to make some really cool moves. 
Yeah, and you know, still doing the Bob Cabral wine consulting, still doing that, helping out the guys at Three Sticks, couple another client over in Napa, a couple more here in Sonoma. Uh, acquiring grapes, doing a lot of acquiring uh, of grapes. grapes. But this year in 2022, my personal goal is to spend about 75% of my winemaking time on Bob Cabral wines. And I've put together a six year kind of growth plan, which is actually pretty modest. Um, well, it doesn't need to get super big, to be honest with you. I just need to be able to hire some a couple of really good sales and marketing folks at this point to help my wife and pay them very well. You know, I mean, you yeah. know, we all live around here. It's not cheap to live around yeah. here. So, um, you know, kind of the holistic approach to Bob Cabral Wines is giving back. And I believe that is also to your employees, your vineyard workers, your growers, your suppliers. Yep. You know, we're all in this together. And um, I've always believed that. I've, I've never, ever, in 42 vintages, made a great bottle of wine by myself. Yep. And I mean that sincerely. I'm not blowing smoke up anybody at this point. It, it, it is a collaborative effort. Yes. And you guys know, because you know the vineyards. And it starts in the vineyards. And, it's a whole lot of you know, people. It's, it is. It's a lot yeah. of hands. And, and you need to appreciate and be grateful along the way for all those hands. Sam, Especially the guys that are selling it, because that's <laughs> I can make it all day long, to be honest, and grow it. You know, I mean, I don't sleep much because you know, out on the Sonoma coast, there's two inch bud break already, um, Chardonnay, <laughs> across from Mickey Hart's place. This is oh, on yeah. Harrison Grade. I get some from yeah, in Occidental. I get some Chardonnay from Charlie Heinz. Now a little bit of Pinot. Seriously, guys, I wish you could have a visual. They're out inch and a half, two inches. Yeah. That's spectacular. I used to pick that stuff middle of October at 23 bricks. I was waiting for the assets to go from 10 grams down to eight. So when's it going to be picked this year, do you think? September. 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 (laughs) Yeah, easily. Yeah. And and great thing about Charlie is he has plenty of water out there. He's got a, I don't know, 500 acre foot pond. I don't know. He took his cat out there like 10 years ago. Before there was rules. Yeah. <laughs> Before, yeah, exactly. He goes, oh, yeah, you know, just doing road improvements. <laughs> yeah, but down. <laughs> it's a deep road. It's a, a very deep road. Yeah. Big, it's a big pool. Yeah. We got a pool and a pond. The pond's good for you. Yeah. So I was out there talking to him in early February, and he was uh, watering then, to be honest. It's real sandy Goldridge soils. So, you know, he kind of sits at 900, 950 feet. And, you know, during the typical growing season, what I saw like back in the mid 90s up until maybe the early 2010s was he would sit in a, um, a cloud of fog and mist yeah. every morning in the in the uh, summertime. Yeah. He, he used to say he farms in a rainforest. Which yeah. he kind of did, Botrytis was always an issue. But um, but if you know it and you plan for it, well, that's the yeah. thing about Charlie is he farms to it, and you yeah. know all these other winemakers would get two tons here and five tons there, and you know early October, I my phone would start blowing up. There's Botrytis out there, and I'm just like, he cuts it off before he pick. Just let Charlie farm, okay? Yeah. He's like sixth or seventh generation out. Yeah. He knows that ranch better than anybody well except the i imagine lady upstairs <laughs> <laughs> so you got to let people farm right. you know and he knows how to do it and you got to trust I've, I've bought grapes from charlie for 30 years and yeah. i just i trust it's amazing him. 42 harvests yeah then coming up on 43 <laughs> 
It's a lot of work, man. Yeah, you know, but what other business do you, you know, do the thing that you do in your lifetime 50 times, 60 times, right? I mean, yes, you've popped a lot of barrels and made a lot of wines, but really... You get sixty cracks at it in your in your life if you're lucky. You if know? you're lucky. If you're lucky. So right. It's um, you know. And I don't know if number. you guys have brewed huge beer number. or distilled. You know, you can do that a few times. You can do it sixty right. times a week if right. you want. Yeah. So the fun part is you just learn every season. Yeah. You know, everything's different. This year will you know uh, we had this deluge of of rain early and then dry 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 dry. My gut kind of tells me we're going to get some more deluge of rain i think there's another we got another atmospheric river coming It'll, sometime at some point yeah if it's hopefully, not march it'll be april hopefully or when we really don't want it doesn't it, it smell June, good out here today that's the petrichor petrichor no it's we haven't had petrichor yeah. in our air in mm-hmm. six seven weeks eight weeks mm-hmm. you know what's the last real rain around here was the end of december um so even today's you know it's hard to say today's real rain but um I, I I think a you're probably right. I think there's probably hope. You know, actually, I, we got to hope for one more big rain. Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, but you know, I'll, I'll you know I'll take your instinct on it. Um, we've we've watered places a lot already too. Yeah, uh, I you mean, know. you go out there. It's you know the month of February. The ground looked like June and July in a lot of places you know, and the cover crops were, were breaking down they were you know mm-hmm. shutting down and collapsing there wasn't any point of like keeping it out there just just water wise right just just water wise yeah. yeah. they were done yeah. they they got a big water you know they germinated early if you were lucky enough to get your cover crop out before uh, you know that big october rain uh, they germinated and grew early and they grew you know they had a bunch of rain in december and after sunny november and then you know 6 weeks later they're done. So there's a lot of people, you know, more people have mowed and disked by this time than we've ever seen. And, and yeah, if you're in a place with, uh, you know, soil with not a lot of, you know, holding capacity, better to water now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as things start growing, right, then mm-hmm. to not water and, and stunt your growth early and then try and play catch up for the rest of the year. Yeah, I don't think people understand that the soil uh, comes alive with that water, too. It's not just like the vine roots or your cover crop roots. There's microbes in there. There's fungi that we need to to keep building that soil in there for us. And, uh, you know, water is life. I mean, it's so, you know, you hate to keep saying that, but water is life. It's a big deal. So to water, you know, and it wasn't every place. I was talking to Lee Martinelli Jr. and they had a couple of places. He goes, yeah, we dug down and there's still some water capacity in there. Huh. Um, but it's not, you know, heavy goldridge. So it's not sandy, what I call sandy, sandy loam. Right. <laughs> you know, the, the moon dust that, that is up on your knees, you know, in the middle of right. um, August when you're walking through there. So, yeah. So it's all good. But I'm excited for this. Yeah. Plus the cooling down. It's just slow um, things down a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And just, you know, f- see if we can get through frost. You know, that that's going to be a little bit more of an issue, I think, uh, is just as these high and low pressures go through, um, yeah. temperatures are going to drop. And I was more worried about that, you know, 10 days ago with my peaches because I had one variety that's an early variety that had already started popping buds. And, you know, wow. it got to... 24 at my house one day Oof. yeah that, wow. that cold snap last week yeah yeah all of our succulents that we 
put in these we we got these cool wine barrels that a guy over in napa does he, do, he does different um levels to them cuts them up and does these cool little levels so we redid our front yard and we have succulents from my wife's grandmother um, who also used to farm Ammons. Ammons, um, yeah. Sorry. Up in the Chico area. Chico, they're Ammons. Um, they're, they're, Modesto, they're, they're Ammons. They're, Fresno, they're Ammons. They're almonds on the tree and then they're Ammons off the tree, tree right? Uh, right. Because you've, you're knocking the L out of them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. But we forgot to cover them um, on those nights. Mm-hmm. And so they look like, um, you know, when someone gets frostbite and they're toe yeah. turns black or whatever we got a lot of that luckily they're so sturdy yeah, um that they will forever. come back and we'll just have to peel them a little bit but um, yeah. But yeah i wrapped my threes or four citrus trees uh, i have four varieties of lemons now how limes. do you do that uh you just take plastic and and you get on ladders and uh no because they're well i've only planted them like three years ago these okay. are in my my back backyard yeah okay so you you don't have to stumble out to the front and grab a grab a lemon to make your cocktail my wife only she can make it out that no. you don't want the neighbors to know <laughs> how much oh, i forgot no editing here right <laughs> well, i'm on five acres so my and where i live down this road there's five parcels there and i think um heather and i are really the only ones that live back there everybody else is you know kind of weekend warriors right. or you know it's second homes third yeah, homes right. those kind of things but uh, we bought it you know over 10 years ago so my daughter could raise animals in 4-h she had pigs for a while and what else has she got? She's now up in Portland. Well, what was she raising when she was with 4-H? We uh, have, just we mainly have... pigs. She she wasn't okay. interested in any of the other uh, animals. I had one grower out towards uh, Great and Charlie Chenoweth that tried to pawn off this really mean miniature donkey on us. You know? <laughs> I think he had it loaded in the trailer, and I'm like, I'm not taking that thing. I'm taking your problem. You know? I'm not Come taking on. your problem, donkey yeah, man. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he was cute and everything, but he was just ornery as all yeah. get-go. He was mean to the rest of their animals and i said i'm not taking it you know uh so yeah she mainly had pigs which oh, was she showing them of, at the fair yeah, yeah yeah she really dug it she yeah. she did it for like four years she made a little bit of money on the on the deal and, nice oh was she uh, auctioned them off at the fair too yeah and the first yeah. year i have to say she a little she was about 10 and she's a little melancholy um, we had that conversation. I was taking her to school one day and cause yeah, you know, I grew up on 70 acres and we raised our own chickens, rat, we, um, our own meats. Yeah. You know, we, we had big steers and, and yeah. yeah, we had big chest freezers in the yeah. basement and then we'd split a steer with like my grandparents and my aunts and uncles, you know, cause what do you do with 600 pounds yeah. of meat at one time? Yeah. So I just explained to her that, you know, these these animals, she loved them. She cared for them better than anybody could have. She went out there and played with them. They were fed. They never got sick. They had fresh water. She had a soccer ball out there. They loved to kick soccer <laughs> literally with their noses just all over the place. And she'd go out there and play with them. Yeah. And I said, so they really had a good life, but they were they were bred for food, huh? Yeah. It, it, it was, um, that's just part of this cycle here. It's, um, and so she, uh, you know, I think that, that set in with her. It was a, a logical explanation to her. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and really, you know, we should all be so lucky to get to eat food that is, has that much love and care yeah. put into it. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, it's the uh, we're not here to discuss plant based lifestyles, although we yeah. could. But, <laughs> uh, you know, the 
crap that goes into making of an impossible burger. Oh, right. At the end of the day, it's much worse than much worse anything. than the steer that you raised. You and know, the corn ground. fed at the end. Yeah. You know, and you you scratched his back behind yeah, the ears totally. every day. I mean, you know, it's it's. Um, I, I'll be honest. I don't eat as much meat. Um, my daughter is, is not vegan, but her roommate is up in college. So when they, they go found out, a vegan tends, in Portland. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, when she's come home, her friends have come to visit. My wife um, really uh, digs trying to find vegan um, or plant based recipes that uh, that we can do. Right. You know, I like I grow a pretty decent sized garden with peppers and and different types of squash, tomatoes. I've learned to only plant like three tomato plants because they just they love it here in Sonoma County. I don't know why, but get a lot one year I made the mistake right. of like eight plants and I literally had to rip two of them out in the middle of the yeah. season because I, I, I can couldn't I keep uncompost up. uncompost those things? Can I like take the fertilizer back that I yeah. gave my tomatoes? Right. Right. So, yeah. It's all good. Well, with all this, when do you have time to make all the wines for Bob Capro? Bob Capro wines. wines, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not making a whole lot, uh, to be honest with you, right now. Um, we're going to start off right now with the 17 Troubadour. Uh, so I make basically three wines uh, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir from the Russian River Valley, and it's a blend of six to seven vineyards, depending on the vintage. They're all kind of that southwest of Sebastopol, um, mainly Goldridge soils. I like what the Goldridge soils do to the texture of Pinot Noir in that area. And for those who don't know soil types by mm -hmm. name, we talk about what the, the Goldridge soil yeah, looks so like, feels like kind of composition-wise. Yeah, it's, it's sandy loam, so it's like almost on the top will be almost like talc powder. It's very light and fluffy, and it doesn't have a ton of water holding capacity so it tends to drain very well um and that's where you got to be sensitive you know i'm working with growers now i, I don't want to use herbicides out there too because it flushes down into the root zone and and you know we just don't need to be doing that much we found other ways to control weeds but this soil um for whatever reason it's got a lot of minerals in it uh just for me, Pinot Noirs have these great textures. And then as you kind of get southwest of Sebastopol, that's where the wind, what doesn't make it up through the Petaluma Gap and hit like Gap's Crown by um, Roner Park, the rest of up, off the Marin Headlands comes right over Sebastopol <laughs> and through those valleys. And I mean, it's windy and cold at four o'clock in the afternoon there. So if you hit above 80, 85 degrees Fahrenheit, it's like a warm day. You're... Right. You know, um, so we have great acids, uh, great pHs, and you know you don't do any adjustments on the on the on the juice, and that's nice. You know, I can do it, and I've done it for years. It depends on what the owners are looking for, and so with Bob Cabral wines, these blends or these cuvées are my vision in the glass, and so I'm not I'm taking what each of those vineyards will give me and then blending to that vision versus taking a, a wine from Rocchioli. You know, there's four different clones out there for River Block. And, you know, maybe use a little more of the Pomard in this vintage or a little more of the 115 in that vintage. Here, I'm taking different vineyards from a geographical area and blending to a 
to a taste. Yeah. Okay, so none of these will be vineyard designates. They're all pulled from these incredible vineyards, but then you ferment them all separately and then decide. Yeah, almost all the vineyards I pull from, people make single vineyards out of. Yeah. And, you know, even the growers are like, you don't want to use the name, no? And you'll pay me $8,000 a ton. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I want want this partnership to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and I want you to be in business for long after I'm making wines, you know, and I think you need to think about this generational too, is we got to take care of these vineyards so that uh, the guys that I'm working with at three sticks and some of these other wineries, um, that they have this fruit for the next 30, 40, 50 years till whatever plague hits. hits (laughs) Tell me until the great, great fire comes. Tell me about the label on Troubadour. First of all, what's the, I mean, we've, I mean, yeah, we in general, uh, not to like be off brand as we always are on brand and started in the middle of this, but, um, and, and I know we've had Bob on before, but maybe, um, just the, like the, the 10, you know, the, the 10 sentence, the, uh, uh reader's digest the version, reader, the reader's digest CV. I yeah. mean, you know, the, the. The William Selium time plus the rock and roll plus the rock and roll yeah, and then, and then so, let's get the rock and roll in the label. So yeah, yeah, that's really what we're here you for. You know, uh, completed forty-two vintages in California, uh, a great uh, almost two decades at William Selium. Uh, we're still working with the Three Sticks guys, six, seven vintages, seven. It may, I think maybe going on eight vintages now. Um, and Bob Cabral Wines was originally started in 2015. My wife, I didn't have a non-compete at that point after I left William Salyam. And we had this conversation. I was be- basically being paid not to make wine for other people. Right. And you were like, man, sign me up. <laughs> yes. where did, and it, where was, it was. It was awesome. So job uh, <laughs> we set up the brand so that uh, we were looking for a sustainable way to give back. And if I was going to do as much of the work as I could myself, my wife couldn't question where I bought the grapes, where what kind of barrels I used. It was going to be my muse. And it has been. And now it's kind of grown back into an obsession. You know, you get to a certain point, like I did at William Selliam or even at Three Sticks, where, you know, you really want to drive a direction, especially in your own mind. Um, I'm not making wine for anybody but me now. It's not, you know, I'm not sitting in a tasting with Ryan and the winemaking staff and Bill Price, the owner, and Prema, and they're saying, you know, it'd be nice if we had more fruit in this wine or if we had more mouthfeel. And it's like, well, we can farm to that or we can, you know, vinify to that. Here, it's it's me, you know. If, if I don't like, if the barrel doesn't um, give it the mouthfeel I want, it goes into a different blend. And I do a private label for a restaurant or somebody else and sell it to them at cost. So just so I don't lose money. And then once this is all done, then uh, after operating expenses, we just keep giving back to charities, Um, which is getting tougher because of things like insurance. Right. To, to insure my winery when I started or my wine brand was like forty five hundred dollars a year. Last year in 2021 for the year was a little over $11,000. 2022, same carrier. We couldn't get four other, same policy, no add-ons other than a little bit more volume. Uh, 
I mean, I've written the insurance commissioners. I've written my, you know, none of our local politicians will answer an email. Is that because of the fire? Basically, Yeah, they consider we're all in fire zone. Well, I make wine in a warehouse in the middle of a city that like the the towns of Windsor, where I store my wine, would have to burn to the ground. And then the town of Santa Rosa would have to, and the hospitals would all burn before it got to my wine. And I'm like, seriously? So I'm, I, so anyway, the expenses to do business here are getting difficult. And uh, looking at our matrix, I just said, I need to spend more time doing this because I want to spend more time doing this. This is what makes me happy. And, you know, you get to that point in your life, where do you find those convergence of what makes you happy? What can you make money at? And, you know, how can you pay the bills? And those things are converging with Bob Cabral Wines. And I can still do the philanthropy and give back. And, you know, it's it's a good feeling. I want to do another 10 or 20 years of winemaking. And I want to do it with Bob Cabral Wines. I mean, I'd help you with a brand. I'd help you with some grapes. Or we could talk about fermentation. I, I want to learn with everybody. I want to learn with my community. But I also want to give back. I want I want a sustainable way to give back. And so I'm going to have to hire a few people, marketing people mainly. Um, and I'll take on the responsibility of making the extra wine. You know, my hands hurt a little bit more. You know, it used to be, was it a one Advil night or two Advil? This harvest, it was a lot of three Advil nights. <laughs> but you make it through. Yeah. yeah, it's all good. Well, I can say... Um if more owners sat in those blending sessions with you and had this vision of what Pinot Noir should taste yeah, like, right. I wouldn't talk so much shit about Pinot Noir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say that about Cabernet and Zinfandel, all of them. Well, I think all the varietals, if you let them be who they want to be, you know, uh, and I think, you know, I look at just in our society now, we're saying let people be the LGBTQ you know, I've always believed in let people be who they want to be. Let the grapes be what they want to be. Why do we keep forcing them into this avenue or that avenue? And when we do that, the consumers just dig those wines. Yeah. You know, they, they, it's a no-brainer at that point. Totally. So I'm going to continue just to pretty much make the one cuvee for right now. Um, and, you know, try to sell more of it. You know, when Heather sends out an email, we got 1,518 people on a mailing list. And, you know, we only have less than 250 that actively buy all the time. And, you know, even if I just cultivate the people that we already had that showed interest in Bob Cabral Wines, you go to www.bobcabralwines.com and sign up. Was that a good lead? Yeah, good. good job. Yeah. You've done this, I always you've forget done this to do that. 42 times before. Right. So. But I always forget to do that. I'd be doing a radio show and somebody, you know, Steve Jackson, if I do the drive, he'll hold up a sign. Give us your website. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, just cultivating the people that were interested and then trying to broaden that a little bit more. I'm doing more local charity stuff. Um, the Boys and Girls Club, I'm on a board up in for Healdsburg and Geyserville. And, you know, the Boys and Girls Club is one of those places where we take care of our workers' kids while they're working for us, whether it's in the wineries, in the, in the vineyards, in the hotels, 
you know, these kids deserve the same chance that everybody else does. And during the summertime, we have programs where they actually go to school basically for three months. So when they head back to the public schools in Geyserville and Healdsburg, and it needs to happen everywhere, Sonoma's actually got a strong chapter, and, and so does Roseland in, in Santa Rosa. North Bay is actually pretty strong. Um, they're not behind, no. you know, uh, with some of the other kids. And, you know, my kid would be part of this, you know, where you send them off to space camp or, you know, Van Gogh camp or, you know, because I have one child and I, I make a good living making wine. And so you want to give your kids those opportunities. My kid's up in college now. She's on her own, <laughs> you know, between her scholarship and the 529 money I put away. It's like, you know, figure out your life. So I, I want to now continue. I, I've always wanted to continue to do that and help the rest of the community. Help these kids out. If they want to just grow grapes, I'll be right there with them. I really am. I'll show you how to prune. Let's irrigate together. Let's taste this fruit. Let's shoot thin. I, I think there, to me, that's a very farming is a, one of the most honorable occupations I think a, a human can have. Yeah. Because you're feeding the species. Feeding the, and, you know, uh, and I think that we're all finding this, especially in the last couple of years, that doing things that get you outside, that get you that you feel and see and hold and touch what you're doing. Um, and there's community and there's interaction in a way that, you know, even if you have an office job that has people in it, you don't, you don't get that same thing. Um, and, you know, hopefully one of the things that comes out of all these sort of, you know, the, the world, the seeming collapse around us and is that it reorganizes a little bit and, and we value not just financially, but, um, value uh emotional well-being well-being um, you, you the know. work you know farming because it's a, it's a great source way to you know have emotional well-being and you know get your vitamin d naturally and i mean the, right. the whole deal it's like learn how uh, to take care of something learn how right. to cultivate something and i i remember as a kid i always i remember thinking one day i had this thought that i didn't understand why like we would go buy seeds and the little pack would like cost a dollar and it had a hundred seeds in it. But I knew that like a diamond costs like thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I remember thinking like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like this seed grows something that then grows not only more seeds, but something that feeds people. And this diamond, we just stare at it. But for some reason we like pay so much money for this. And that seed to me was like worth so much more than we were paying in this little packet. And it was just kind of a... And I think people are embracing that again. They're yeah. realizing the diamond isn't... It's stuff. Yeah. And all of us have been evacuated around here one time or another. And yeah. in 2020, I wasn't sure I was coming back to my house up in Dry Creek. We we had the LMU or the Wallbridge fires coming our way. How close and, was it ultimately? Uh, within about two miles of my house. Close enough. Yeah. yeah. God damn it, man. <laughs> you know? And, and so we left. And, you know, in the end, it's just stuff. You know, um, the great thing about farming and growing grapes on an annual basis is that you, you have that sense of accomplishment, too. It just amazes me when we, we're turning those bins into a press or we're dumping them onto a sorting table. And you're, you're going through looking for the really pristine fruit and anything that isn't quite there, you know, we'll put it over here and uh, compost it. 
You know, we we, we didn't do that in the 70s and 80s, really, in, in the wine business. When I worked at Cundy in the early 90s, they would dump the white pumice out where their cows were and they'd all come running because it was sweet and, you know, and then they figured out too, the, the, huh? the, the fermented reds were even better. And pretty soon the cows were kind of staggering around the Cundy ranch. And I was like, Keith, you might want to think twice about doing a dump truck load of red press material. <laughs> They run a little too fast to that. So, so you know. I had a guy in the tasting room. I don't know if he listens to the podcast and can he can sh- call, you know, email in or message us. Uh, he works for a, a gal related company, mm-hmm. and all what he does is he takes winery refuse pumice, mm-hmm. you know, white pumice and red pumice, and processes it through for all the different things that you get out of it and it you know mm-hmm. it starts with you know there's there's sugars there's you know nutraceuticals is a huge part of it like all these um skincare products that have right. grape extracts and then grapeseed oil and mm-hmm. then that's what he said that the end anything that's left all goes to cattle feed so and they all fit in that antioxidant characteristic yeah, exactly, or, right? or compounds so yeah so 3.6 you know. million tons were the was the 2021 grape harvest, right? His facility, and this, you know, they're sourcing from all over the place, processed the equivalent of like 2.2 million tons of grapes. So, you know, more than a th- two thirds of the entire state of California goes through and is, and is processed out for all these different extracts and then goes to feed cattle. I mean, you know, it's, it is using everything, but we used to say when you'd kill a pig, everything, but the squeal, which is what you, I mean, that's what they did in the old country. You know, mine's got a Hungarian cookbook. Literally every recipe says, start with half a pig's head Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then you go from there, but I'm not kidding. Start with like a Miraplaw for the Hungarians. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we got Bart Hansen rolling in. Bart's pulling in. Bart's. Bart's mom is, I don't know if I'm so, well, whatever. Oh, Bart's mom moving. is moving to Sonoma, and so yeah. we've uh, we've acquired some awesome artifacts that were in his backyard, that uh, <laughs> that uh, frost protection smudge pot back over there in the corner. That's an old one, too, right? Doesn't That is an old, old one, yeah. 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 Uh, some, some My good grandfather things. had smudge pots in his vineyards outside of Ripon and Manteca that, yeah. you know, you poured oil in and... Right. Black smoke, diesel fuel, yeah. Like, yeah. Pour yeah. anything in there. Yeah. yeah, you know. Oh, you know. I got to tell you though, while we're kind of on that subject, I had to go deliver some wine for a charity auction down in Southern California. I had to go to American Canyon. That's why I kind of showed up here a little bit early. I didn't know how long it would take. So I start passing Amazon Prime vans. Oh right? man! And I started them. counting them just out of something to do. Yeah. And from like Carneros or on 116 here, kind of where 8th Street East dead ends to the Highway 12 turnoff, 83. Oof. I thought I did and 43 I was like, from Napa And I just started I out of fun. <laughs> and I was like, so there's got to be either an airport or, or, you know, there's some kind of distribution oh, oh, Sonoma center. Sonoma turned it down, so they put it. Over. Like America, it, ha- it looked like they were all American coming out Canyon. of American Canyon well, or, or now. Right where you started counting, there's that big giant warehouse, the end of East, where 8th Street East dead ends. Oh, right. The, right, right. The railroad tracks there. Yeah. Uh, well, they wanted to make that an Amazon distribution hub, and Sonoma shot it down. Yeah. Uh, That's so funny. Bart, Bart and I Bart, had this, we had this same conversation it. last time we went, I forget where we went. We went somewhere over in Napa, and Bart said, 
Last time I was in Petaluma and I was coming home, I counted like 35 yeah. Amazon Prime trucks. trucks yeah. And then on the way back, on the way over there, we counted like 18, like in a row. Um, that were just lo it was like they had just let out or something exactly and that's what I, I i've never seen that many in a row but the thought i was like you know bezos wants to convert his fleet to electric and i'm thinking okay just what's being delivered here in the north coast no. if those were all electric think about the emissions we could cut out so you know say what you will about the guy and everything but if he's really committed to doing this and ford has those trucks out now i know the duttons have some all electric trucks that they're trying out on the ranches out towards sebastopol we got to keep going in that direction you know i'm i'm glad that everybody's making a, a consorted just effort if we if we really worked on solar they wouldn't be having the nord stream gas pipeline from Russia down to right. Germany and everything else. The only way Russia can get away with any of this shit is because oil. Because of oil. Oil. How much right. we all need their oil. Yep. Right. No, I uh, clicked on 80 ground mounted solar panels in um, February 3rd, 1970, or uh, 2017. And then as they shut the power off during the fires. I still had no power. They shut me off. So then I bought two uh, Tesla batteries in, in 2019. I need a couple more. My, my, my girls, that well, the ones up in Portland, but, you know, it's like, do you guys own stock in PG&E? I'm sounding like my parents now, yep. you know, because every light's on in the house. Yep. I have totally become my father going around and yeah. turning and every light off I do as that. I walk yeah, through the house. Yep. And I never thought I'd be like, me neither. It's like, I, I don't care if it's dark in here. Turn the fucking lights off. Yeah. Well, you're not cranky <laughs> about it, though. It's just, it's just, you, you just do it, you know? Hey, Funny Barney. thing is, is my I've been helping my mom move, and she likes her house very dark. So I walk around her house and, and turn, turn lights, lights on, on so oh, I can see. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. 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 And seeing what I can throw away. <laughs> Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. Yeah. So we're tasting some wines to bring you up to speed real yeah. quick. <laughs> That's all right. Just go. Just roll with it. Uh, no, we're 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 trying. Uh, I'm still consulting. For, you know, three sticks, a couple other places, but my new focus or 75% of my time in 2022 will be for Bob Cabral wines. Awesome. So I need to make the, the, the cost of doing business does have some economies of scale. Granted, you got to sell the wine, but, um, I'm, I'm confident with the plans that it, we have to do this. So, uh, hiring really good people, um, focused on what we need to do and then you make wine to the sales you know i have a brand it's a luxury brand you need to sell out yeah i mean you know a lot of these marketing guys especially at the bigger places are like you can never run out you can't lose that space it's like that's what built william Sellium, rocchioli kistler costa brown etc 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 nothing wrong with having sold out on your website right? no not at all and if you're making great bottles of wine, hopefully they are selling out, you know? And Bart, do you remember when we went and saw Bree and Alex Kanzler um, out at their house? Wasn't it, weren't they trying to do like a new AVA out there basically called West County or something? Uh, well, yeah. They, they were, yeah, I mean, they were trying to organize all the neighbors, right? Like mm -hmm. the different neighborhoods. Right. And in the, within the Russian river Valley, I believe there's seven or eight neighborhoods. Right. And they, and they were talking about trying to move that. Somewhere. Yeah. I don't think you can officially put anything on the labels. It's still Russian river Valley. Right. Um, 
Actually, I get grapes from Alex now off that home ranch. Oh, cool. six six we seven. Such a beautiful. Thank you, property. Alex Kanzler. I'd like some one one five too. Wasn't there thinking that it was is because of the it was because what you guys were talking about the Gold Ridge soil type that it was yeah they felt like in that area they had a very unique situation. I have three other vineyards that are within a mile of his yeah. um, that makes up Troubadour. You know, Bart, it's are cold. You, are you it's, trying the seventeen? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. So the 17 is now the current release. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's just starting to kind of show itself. And if you taste the 18, those, some of those tannins are still a little green and awkward. Right. And, yeah. you know, um, they need to come together a little bit. And that's how I get my wife to, she's like, I need more wine to sell. I need more. Let's pop a bottle. And here's why I don't want to release it to people yet. Right. If you're going to pay 125 a bottle, um, you need to be able to drink it that night. Um, yeah, no one sits and, on their And wine. be happy about it. You know, yeah. I, I don't want you to have to cellar it. So I'm willing to take on that load. I always feel like um, right as we sell out of a vintage, that's when it's starting to really get good. Yeah. You know, you, you, you sat on it. You waited as long as you could, could before yeah. the accountants and the owners. Uh, <laughs> the glass company. The, the glass the company. Right, notices. We're like, we're like uh, okay, you need to sell that wine now. And then you sell it and then you're out of it or you have like three cases left that you're hiding from Jasmine and Paul so they don't sell it all. Yeah. And that's when it really tastes good. Yeah. yeah it's it's the, the challenge of, of this job, right, is we're making things that – should have the ability to, you know, like an old car, right? You're, you love mm -hmm. your old truck. Right. Your old truck is m way more beautiful now than it was when it was released, but it was a cool truck when it was released. Yeah. And like, how do we do that where it's great upon, you know, that's the, the greatest challenge that we have, right? Make something that is beautiful and desirable and, and ready to drink when you release it, but also, you know, when you pull it out of the garage, in 30 years is, well, turns his head just as much right yeah i think the winery has to do it because i i always thought it was hilarious when we would get our synchronon or saxum allocations and as soon as it hit the list people were like so excited because they don't have access to those wines that they would buy them and then they're drinking them when they're they're so young people like uh, nicole relay at Chambleu, blue their heloise that i have on the list their rhone blend their current vintage is 2013 that's what they're selling is 2013 so they've mm -hmm. taken it upon themselves to say yeah look we want to put the wine out when it's when we think it's in this good space because we can't be trusted as consumers well and and then <laughs> no and then, I, I have and, no control i gotta make money um salespeople also have to juggle that ability to go well how long do you think this wine will age you know or the same for the same wine, someone comes up and says, I really want a wine I can drink now. And then you have to start trying to tell the story how, well, we make this to be drunk upon release, but we look for it to age, you know, in the future. And it's yeah. it's a little bit of a contradiction that yeah. we that we all sing, right? Yeah, and, and again, you know, the fact that I'm only making a few hundred cases, you can see the case production 15, 16, 17, 18. 158 229 243 224 you know um, i'm not wasting any of this wine don't don't put a, don't put a dump bucket over here <laughs> brian's on the clock by the way <laughs> i clocked out before i left i've been clocked out for years according to my wife 
So you, so you wanted also a little bit about the rock and roll. So yeah, over the years, the at, mainly at uh, William Salim is when I met people like Sammy Hagar and Jonathan Kane from right. Journey. And, you know, you just start hanging around these guys. And all of a sudden you're, you're backstage, you're bringing them wine and you're their new dealer. Uh, they don't. They don't do other substances, and um, well, well, much anymore. Anymore, yeah. and as but, much anymore yeah, or yeah. anymore, um, because their actual touring and and what they do for a living, they get paid very well now, right. so they can afford to buy these wines. But you start meeting people, you know. It's really kind of cool to talk to these people. They're just, they're really nice people. I think musicians uh, are just, they're fun people. Um, October is when Heather released our 17 Troubadour Pinot, and um, I see the sales come across my my phone. And a couple days into it, I saw that Cliff Williams, the bass player for ACDC, had bought a case. So I wrote him a couple days later. I was right in the middle of harvest. Wrote him a couple days later and said, "Hey, you know, thanks for supporting the cause and everything. And you know, um, here you might be touring and this and that." And he wrote me a long email back. Well, we drank the last six bottles of the sixteen, and he and then he went into this whole recipe of uh, lamb shanks that he made and the potatoes and how well the wine. We drank one, and then it was two, and all of a sudden, the dinner party they drank all of his troubadour. So he's like, "I wasn't going to miss out when you released the seventeen. And then um, we talked a little bit about COVID and touring, and and it's not wasn't going to happen for a while for them. They they had already cut an album just before uh, COVID hit in twenty twenty. And um, about three days later, he orders another case. Well, he'd gotten the first case and he popped a bottle. And yeah. he's like, okay, I'm not, it's, I'm going to, now I'm going to, because I'll, I'll forget, you know? And so um, he actually emailed me then back a second time and said, yeah, I, I'm taking another case because I'm not going to miss out on this one. So you build these relationships with these folks because it puts a smile on their face. And, you know, everybody loves music. Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah. So um, it's it's a it's a great synergy to have those uh, those musicians in in your camp. I know. And have you seen this new tour? I'm pulling it up right now, but it's Def Leppard and Motley Crue. Oh, yeah. Joan uh, Jett. Joan Jett. And, there, and was a, uh, there was another one, too. Poison is doing some dates, but there was another huge group that was playing with them. And I was shocked. Cheap Trick or somebody? It was Cheap Trick. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I met Robin Zander and the Cheap Trick oh, folks God. one time when um, they were opening up for Hart, who was opening up for Def Leppard at Concord Pavilion like 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Oh. And Robin Zander's a big wine fan. And uh, I brought like a three-liter bottle or a five-liter bottle and... You know, he thought that was the coolest it's a, thing. It's so, amazing Bob, how... take a picture with me. And I'm like, absolutely, Robin. The, the Here, wine. sign this guitar. <laughs> Did I see the shardies? So I, Gracias. I totally see what you mean on the 18, though. Yeah. It's, 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 be- it's just as beautiful as the 17, but there's just, like, a, around the edges, the tannins haven't come all the way together yet. Yeah, big yeah, crop. Yeah. You know, I think we managed it well on the blocks I had. Uh, other places, we had to do a lot of saignet and bleeding to get that concentration. Mm. A couple of these vineyards I didn't touch. And it'll come around, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think um, it probably needs another couple months in the bottle, and those yeah. things will start to come together. It's just, it's literally like, 
the seam of your palate on the edges where yeah. it's just like there's like a little it's just not quite yeah it is disjointed but the you focus know, the on that 17 is don't match right. you know crazy and yeah the the acid on that 17 is just so fucking great yeah Oh, that's the show. I'm thinking 3.32. Yeah, that never happened. Uh, so uh, few. 3.41, it was low. Uh, yum, yum. It was low, low for, that, for, uh, for that year. That's a, well, with only six, you know, 6.9 grams of, of acid, That that's a low pH. That means wow. it wasn't buffered. It was very well loved and t- yeah. cared for out in the vineyard. And, you know, I love those numbers. Yeah. Those are, you know, are- full mallows. And I, I love this stuff. I dig it. So it's like about three or four vineyards. But what was your picking dates in 2017? Because 2017, obviously, you take the fire at the end, which wasn't really an issue for Pinot. Right. It was all about how you handled the well, we that, had some that, heat. La- that Labor Day heat, right? We had some Labor Day heat. Most of these sites, uh, we watered. I, I've learned to water, you know, I watch a lot of weather sites and satellites during Wait, especially is, during harvest what is the best one just for people there's none there. of them I, okay. you know and i'm convinced I that if i can't one. make wine i'm going to become a weatherman yeah. because <laughs> i could predict this stuff way better hawaiian weathermen are the only guys that get it right a uh, cabo cabo weatherman cabo, okay you know? seriously because I, I look at that high of 82 low of 71 right. <laughs> next month high of 84 low of 73 right. you know it, it's just a, yeah so um Managing through those heat spikes, giving the vine um, shots of water, because by the time those canes start lignifying or turning brown and the peduncle is starting to turn brown, that phloem is drying up and all you've got is the xylem that's taking moisture out, not putting anything in. So when you hydrate a vine at that point of verasion or even during the harvest, I found that what you're doing is you're supplementing what that vine naturally would do to pull out of the fruit because it's survival right it's like i gotta i gotta get this crop off and i'm gonna shut down here in a bit where can i get moisture oh i've got this crop full of juice in there and you you just want to trick them into saying oh awesome the roots will take up a little more water and then you can get phenolic ripeness on your especially pinot and and the red varietals um although i i I press my shards out pretty hard too because I want some phenolics. You know? um, I don't know if this is breaking news. This is kind of freaking me out. So a, a server at the hotel is asking if we're still in, still doing walk-in interviews because she said my friend's job just burnt down Larson's family winery. That was last big fire. This is you know as we record this on uh, what's today's date? The it's third 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 of third of March. Yeah. Last night there was a big fire in their tasting room. You know. Every fire truck in Sonoma Valley was there. No uh, shit, really? Yeah. That's sad. So it's, oh, it's that's definitely. A, she said the whole staff's looking for jobs. Oof. I mean, and that was I think the first place we ever ever went when it was Sonoma Creek. Right. And we used to go mm-hmm. out to the back wow. barn yeah. and taste on a board and just yeah. buy a few and yeah, and then head that over to so your sad. hotel. Oh, that's. Uh, I'm sorry about yeah, that. I don't yeah, know anything about that. Yeah, yeah. It literally, is just liter- breaking news this morning. That's unless a you're addicted to Pulse Point and Watch Duty, along with all of your weather apps, <laughs> and you so- actually Watch Duty because uh, we had a fire out uh, in Rio Nido yeah. uh, last couple days, and it keeps going on. I have to turn my phone off. At yeah, night. I, I, I totally just, I can't do it anymore. Right but now, uh, so. where I where I live, anytime the El Verano fire station 
I hear every time. Anytime there's a siren coming out of there, I hear it. So last night I saw a bunch of trucks going by on Arnold uh, at about you know ten o'clock or so. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's Monday uh, that's night. A, I let the dog electrical. out. You know, around eight eight o'clock, and uh, I smelled it when I opened the back door. It, it could smell smoke and. Yeah. I'm thinking, okay, this is odd because that fire is out in Monterio, but it had we had kind of um, southwest winds blowing back on shore. Yeah. Well, those winds they were supposed to bring in a lot more rain. I mean, yeah. when I looked at the maps, there were a couple of big red chunks out over the coast, and they were heading for us. I don't know what happened to them. They fizzled dissipated fast. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Chardonnay. But, yeah, what's your philosophy on Chardonnay? Like, I mean, obviously you mm -hmm. want to get really good fruit and you want mm -hmm. to let the, the fruit sing, but is, mm -hmm. what's your philosophy on what you do, what you actually do to the wine when it comes in? And what do you, what do you, what kind of Chardonnay is it that you really like to drink? Yeah, um, having spent a lot of time in the whole Burgundian region, kind of from Chablis or Dijon all the way down into Beaujolais and, and um, Puy Fousset, uh, I like a variety of Chardonnays. Yeah. What I think the Sonoma Coast, where I'm getting these vineyards from, it's it's oh, Charlie Heinz. It's up up by uh, Mickey Hart's place. <laughs> I love I love driving because sometimes his gates open, and I've been up there with Sam Hagar a couple times, and so it's just like, listen for the drums if the drums exactly are boom, boom boom boom. Mm -hmm. um, so I want some tension in my wine. You know, I like those, the acidity to them. I think oak should bring out whatever phenolics or flavors are in that juice. Uh, but I don't want to over oak. Yeah. I, I'm 25 to maybe 30% new oak. Um, so I press out the juice, no SO2, at least I used to do no SO2. So the 15 and 16 had no SO2 till after mallow. And then in 17, I uh, added again, a conversation I'd been out at, at Occidental Vineyards with Steve Kistler and just kind of talking about things. Dave Ramey does this. I tried a couple lots at Three Sticks where we added sulfur like eight to 10 hours later. So let it hyperoxidate, let that come out. And if you're going to do native ferments, which I do on everything here, I don't use any yeast because it's expensive. That's my <laughs> philosophy. Not, not because I think they're great, but it, it does. I think it does a better job, but cultured yeast are expensive um then i hit it with a little bit of so2 fill the barrels and then let them just kind of take off and what i've started to do with 17 18 and i take about 20 percent and i see how warm i can get those barrels i i set them in the sun i was gonna and ask you I've how had, you do that i've had the ferments go in like four days and you, what I want and is so what like I call 80, 85. Yeah. For, 85. Ferment temperature. Yeah. Peaks. Yeah. And you get that kind of uh, match sticky. I call it a positive reduction. Yeah. And it adds a complexity that I find in, you know, the fine Montrachets yep. and, and the Batards mm -hmm. and some of those. Um, you can also get it from the char of the barrels. You know, you use like a, a heavy toasted Francois Ferrer. It'll give you that kind of match sticky, um, but a little bit goes a long way. So what, I've kind of eased into that. What have you heard of this this way of doing that with adding sulfur? Adding a is it adding a large amount of sulfur? And I, I'm not familiar with that. No, and trying to get the sulfur to have it before it goes to Mercaptain. Yeah, yeah, that's my biggest fear is because right. once it goes to Mercaptain, then yeah. you. 
you got to dump a bunch of stuff in to break those mercaptans up. So mercaptans are very complex sulfides that's like rotten egg or feces, however, uh, onion, volcanic. Yeah, not good. Yeah, I mean, I just have heard this, you know, this type of, especially with Chardonnay, you know, forcing reduction or, you know, looking for it to get reduced. The Kiwis like to do it. Right. And that's what kind of turned me on to it about five, six years ago. I'm like, how do they do this? You know, and you start talking to Kiwi winemakers and they're like, oh, yeah, mate. You're about to tell me. What did he say? <laughs> Can I get yeah. this channel with subtitles, please? Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, what language are you speaking? <laughs> hey, bro. And, and so um, I wanted to um, just see how fruit from the cold areas of Sonoma County, Gaps Crown, we did some. There's a block up at uh, Three Sticks that kind of sits in a bowl right, on Durrell um, that we did two barrels of, two out of like 11. And it's then like kind of over the hill heading to the west of Durrell. Exactly. Yeah. It's and and it goes, it kind of slopes kind of wet, almost west. The plants mm-hmm. are east west. Yeah. Some of the older blocks, actually some nice, you know, volcanic soils in there. Yeah. Lots of gravel and. Kind of that mix of volcanic and then river bottom too, because that's at one point you know this was all underwater, you know. And um, how long and, are you leaving stuff in barrel? So this will stay in till the next vintage. Okay. So I'll pull it out usually in August or early September, but I put mm-hmm. it in. I take the lees and everything, and I put it into stainless drums <clears throat> and just cap them, and they mm-hmm. sit there till December. And then I let those settle. Then I rack them out. And um, hopefully it's clear enough. I haven't had to vent night. I don't cold or heat stabilize the wines. I never had any issues. Oh, yeah. I see a little tartrate crystals now and then. But yeah. Flavor crystals. (laughs) Yeah. And they're they're actually, I don't like Chardonnay that's brilliant, to be honest with you. I understand why we do it for stability if there's mallow in it. As long as there's no sugar, there's no mallow. What what are we concerned about? Yeah. Well, it's a consumer thing. Yeah. And I want people to, but these are pretty clear. They're under 10 NTUs. If you get them, if you let them settle long enough and you're careful racking, Mm -hmm. you can get them pretty clear. I've got them down to like five NTUs, which is, you know, nothing. Filters sometimes won't even do that. So, you know, you've got this. I, I want a lot of nice mouthfeel to it. I want some acidity. I like that minerality, kind of lemon drop finish. Um, something that goes well with food. And you can see the pH is 3.34, 3.28, 3.32, 3.29. But look at the acid. Some of these, especially like 2016 and 2017, you know, they started off at like almost nine grams. And, you know, that's look at my alcohols, 14.6 and 14.5, because I was trying to get the acids down. You know, I didn't want it, you know. Because the pursuit of balance doesn't necessarily mean low alcohol. It means no, you balance. Got to, and, these are and, beautifully balanced wines. Yeah. You'd and never you want, have thought that the alcohol, you wouldn't, it's not even a thought one way or the other, right? Yeah. And it, it shouldn't. Yeah. I, I, it, a small part of me was hoping never to taste Bob Cabral Chardonnay again, because my wife and I got into it <clears throat> a few times over me purchasing the bottle. There's, there's like a little <laughs> but, triggering effect. These flavors my, are but bringing my, you. My selling point Maria's was always, but honey, the, the proceeds go to charity. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like we're writing off something on our taxes. <laughs> yeah. 
What's but this receipt? Never got how many how many shardies did you write off this year? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, it was so it was last year, and I I kind of broke away, and and now I'm getting reintroduced, and it's trouble. So the 17 was just I think released yesterday or Tuesday. I I. I I know my wife was sending that email out yesterday. Yeah, I think, yesterday. Yesterday yeah, I think she sent that blast out yesterday. Yeah. And um, yeah, of which then I, she finally showed me, uh, you know, she's like, oh, I'm going to keep them on sale if it doesn't sell out till your birthday. And I go, nobody needs to know my birthday. <laughs> oh, the 29th? I'm turning on the 29th, <laughs> right. I turned the big six zero, you know, and it's like, really, Heather, you had to do that? <laughs> Are you having a big party for that? No. No. I'm not. I, I don't want to be in the... I'll throw people parties. She yeah. threw me a 50th that was just spectacular. We did it out at William Selliam. And, you know, um, for me, it's 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 hard to be that focal point. Um, yeah. You know, uh, well, I'll, what I agreed to do was a bunch of like, we'll go to dinner for a week right. with like four... <laughs> four friends each night, you know, two other couples where I can really have conversations with people and big parties for me. I mean, they're great. And I, I'm still going to break out some, some old bottles of Willie and I've got some burgundies I've been holding on to. You know, while we're on the subject, can you just tell me since I have a bunch of back vintages uh, from Mm -hmm. 09 going forward and Uh probably eight different vineyard designations and vintages, what are, what are some of your Favorite vintages and vineyard uh, designations I like, from the- I like the 09s. Oh you know, God, I, I think so- it was a very underrated. Nobody gave them big, big scores yeah. or talked about the wines. But And I used to take a lot of my allocation in Magnums, too. So, like, they're aging very, very well. Such a smart, you know? such a smart guy. <laughs> yeah. The 09 Pisoni, I remember, I had a... We didn't make a Pisoni. Oh, was it? Was it oh, maybe you that bought was- bought it at auction. It was a, it was a Rudy Kern, Kearney one. Yeah, there you oh, go. Hope you didn't pay too much. No, and that please. did not go to charity. <laughs> But the government uh, hope, got their share because Rudy's, uh, I think, pounding I out license plates. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember it was it was a guy who was psalming for us, and it was on his last night, and so he, we were pulling some O nines and, mm-hmm. and opening them up. So hopefully, so the single vineyards from well I, from down in the central coast, the only one we made was uh, Vista Verde, and John Dyson owned that vineyard. But up north, a uh, Precious Mountain, maybe. Uh, we've got that. Yeah. Uh, it might've been a precious mountain. The nines, I, they're drinking really good right now. Um, I like to surprise my wife cause she says she doesn't like aged wines. And I gave, I popped a bottle the other night, uh, they're so alive. 2013, um, Allen vineyard. And you know, it's kind of in that warm area of the Russian river. It's not, I mean, it gets hot. It'll go 100 degrees, but then it's like 52 at night. Because it pushes up against Dry Creek, right? And where Allen and Rokio, because we lived on the Allen Ranch in the old house built in 1906 or 1904. And uh, we lived there for two years. And I didn't, you know, as much time as I'd spent at the winery, I didn't realize that it's off of McMurray Ranch, which is to the west of it. It's, It's Twin Valley. All that cold air comes down and sits on Allen and Rocchioli. So then when you make the bend, that hard bend at the William Selliam Estate or across the street, Dave Ramey owns that property now. used to be the pumpkin patch. Westside Farms. Farms, It was the pumpkin patch. It warms up because it opens up again. But this cold air is a pocket sit on Allen and Rocchioli. You go up to Hopkiln next to Rocchioli and it's warm again. And, you know, it, the microclimates around here blow my mind away. 
And that's what's great about this. I've done, I don't know, 35 vintages in Sonoma County. Is that County. because Rocchioli's right along the river or something? He's on the river, and it's just a low spot yeah. where kind of these rolling hills converge. Uh, there's a lot of little creeks, blue line creeks, we'd call them now, that th when it's cold, that's where that cold air funnels right to the Allen River block, east yeah. block, west block, the, you know, what kind of put Rocchioli on the map. And, and there's also that kind of dividing line. What is the road that's right there by Hopkiln that goes over? To Sweetwater Springs. Sweetwater Springs. Yeah. And and everything. You get north, north of that, that is, it's warm. Yeah. Like yeah. really warm. You got the Booker Dairy, the Bachagalupis. Um, yeah. Yeah. It it doesn't cool down. It'll be four <laughs> degrees warmer up there. Brian, it's, it's the, the pause on the scroll, Brian is scrolling uh, yes. through his phone photo library Stash you just have William a picture Sullivan. of every bottle in the cellar Yorkville the and it's we're and it's just 15 like mcgregor William 13 caligari 13 caligari is really good right now i've had one of those recently i think i just sold the last bottle yeah the other day. that's lucky oh bastards. and it was uh wait a minute uh you know marshall from yeah marshall dawson yeah marshall was just in for dinner the other night right yeah oh he had my last 13 he um, makes jardesca he does, yeah. yeah. So he another ordered, great product. Uh, um, one of the last bottles of one of the vintages um, that I had. Yeah, he said he knew you. Yeah, well, uh, I uh, hired Marshall, or we did at Three Sticks. I made the introduction to put our strategic plan together, five year strategic plan. Oh, okay. Um, so that Three Sticks had a roadmap. Yeah. And um, I think there were a few people that were maybe a little leery, but every time I've done a strategic plan, whether it's at a winery or at a school or a boys and girls club it works if you have a map you don't have to follow the map but you know when to turn left and you know when to turn right right uh if you can't even find the road yeah it gets difficult yeah, sam gonna... are you thinking what i'm thinking <laughs> you want to you want to learn how to spell strategic and plan <laughs> <laughs> and bong yeah <laughs> We're going to do some fun stuff out of the pool this year with Jardesca. We're going to do the little uh, pre-batch uh, pre pouched yeah. um, frozen cocktails. It's going to be a lot of fun. And he, he's a nice guy. Pre -batched so if you taste the 18 Chardonnay. Frozen cocktail. What was that? Oh, yeah. Way okay. different than the 17 right now. Yeah. And, and it's got. A little grippy. A little, little grippy. It's got lower acid. Yeah. But. Um, a little bit lower pH, a little, though, a too. A little lower pH. Yeah. So, you know, kind of synonymous with each other yeah um to me it's just a little too tart right now and yeah. you know whereas the 17 is starting to your tongue is um still salivating it's not getting you back behind the jaws here where it's tart you know um so back to the i don't stir the barrels i don't do much to Wait, the chardonnay ever. barrels well during mallow if i think they're not going right uh, the 17, two of... Sometimes you just want it to be a video podcast so badly. <laughs> you know, um, the 17... Shaking the barrel rack. No, stirring, stirring them with a with the Dodine wand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just stir them. But One, two, three, four, five, six. Right, right, okay. I don't want to beat up the whole thing, you right. know. Because I think you kind of almost introduce more oxygen... If you're, you know, these people that would take drills and go into them. I remember. Wait, what? Well, I saw this at larger Napa Valley Chardonnay producers. They were making so much Chardonnay to stir the leaves. They would take a drill, 
with a propeller on it and go into the bunghole and go. But why just to speed, to speed so speed. they could do 2000 barrels. Uh, I had five barrels. Of well, this. yeah, because that thing Until you stick in there is, is, is like curved and it is kind of it is kind of hard to kind of get in there and then get it going. And, and you have to take that, you clean it up. You right, it's right, right, right. Okay, so but that's all part of it. That's part of the zen of making Chardonnay. This is slow process. You're releasing wines from five years ago. This is not McDonald's. No, 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 no. You you know, to me, that's real artisan winemaking. You and you know, some leaves are going to stir. You look at it with your flashlight too. Some just fluff up right away for whatever reason, and others, it's like peanut, but clumps of peanut butter that come up. Yeah. You know, Good old American ingenuity. I, I mean, you and you you can <laughs> yeah. almost yeah. Well, that's that's you know, Glen Ellen. That's what they did. It was mm-hmm. the 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 drill at Kenwood. We tried it and we could never. The the one time like the drill fell off and went into the barrel. And it took, <laughs> it took right. two hours to get the drill bit out. And yeah. It was like okay, so we went back to the stirring one. Yeah. Um. But but then you get into this thing of like how many. And it's like well, just look in look into it and when you see a cloud then that's enough and some guys would say oh no you have to do it 11 times it takes 11 times to um get it to come up but well, yeah you're right bob they're all yeah. different right 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 well you know yeah when we used to um <laughs> no i'm not gonna stop yeah <laughs> no, no Two- wait 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 i want to know now Wait, what did you used to do? Come when on, tell used, us a, if we used to ever have to add water to something, yeah, we would put to it ensure in the, in firm the, complete fermentation. Correct. That's how the reg That's reads. Okay. <laughs> what we would do is we would put it in the biodynamic mixer, which would would to bring it to a vortex clockwise, yeah. and then you disrupt the vortex, and then you do counterclockwise. And the thought was by aerating it, it brought a little more oxygen into yeah. the fermentation and made it a yeah. healthier fermentation. And you cycled in cosmic forces, which is what the vortex is about. Correct. <laughs> right. Or, or are you ready for this? Or we'd use the um, the the crystals silica. and put the silica into ah, it. Put five hundred two okay. into it. Five hundred two. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Yep. The silica into it because it brought more energy and more life force. You were reflecting yeah. sunlight into the. I just dropped crystals into mine. I just. <laughs> Drop acid and then wait for the wine to do its thing. <laughs> well, but wait, remember Randall had that whole thing that he oh, was yeah. doing with the crystals? Randall Graham, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was another was one he... of his. I think that was post Velcron. Um, when he got out of Velcron, he got into crystals. There you go. <laughs> Bob, so, how you doing on time, buddy? I think we're doing okay. Well, okay. I'll, uh, right. I'll, I'll keep chatting, but that's All okay. Right. Yeah, you got uh, it. But the 17, I got to tell you, uh, so I had five barrels. Two of them after New Year's still had like 34 grams of residual sugar in them. And I was frustrated and I was like, okay, I'm just going to hit it with a little bit of sulfur, 10 parts, and then move it from the warm room, which warm it at three sticks at that point because we had big plastic sheets was maybe 70 degrees Fahrenheit instead of 52 where we use night air. I put them out into the cellar and two weeks later, it just started chugging and finally finished about my birthday, March, March 20th mm-hmm. and went dry because I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm going to have to dump two barrels. Like I can't 32 grams of yeah. sugar. You know, there's dessert wines that don't have that much. <laughs> so, um, again, I learned to be patient about 
things and well, not and, freak out. Not, and not freak out. Yeah. yeah. You know, and dump it out and restart it and add yeast hulls. Every time I get these young winemakers, they got this product. It'll soak up all the toxins. Well, what, what do we know what toxins they are? Because there's a lot of them out there. Is it from something we sprayed on? Is it something the yeast did? Is it something the bacteria did? Did mice walk by and <laughs> drop the their, their roaches in there as they went by? I mean, I don't know. So... You know, I've, I've just found that you need to be patient. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, I like that. Um, again, listen to the call map a couple right. times a day. And cup of tea. I know. And a I want to know about this call map. kind of TD drink. Uh, I do a, like an English breakfast first thing in the morning because I do like the caffeine. Right. And I can't do coffee caffeine. It just, it, in the acids. Yeah. But then uh, I have a couple of other teas now, uh, daily relax one. There's one for like, it's called kidney flush. I get kidney stones if I stress out too much. And I haven't had any since I've been, since and it's been herbs, med, right. you know, and make sure that it doesn't make, mix with anything else that, I, you know, I happen to be taking, which I don't, I take a lot of vitamins and things to keep, try to stay healthy. Was the Calm app, is it like ocean sounds or is it like Morgan uh, it Freeman will. or? Uh, well, some of it's uh, learning how to meditate. Some of it's um, sounds, music. If you want to, it'll say uh, work motivation music, but it's, oh. you know, it's like Narada music. It's not ACDC, right. <laughs> you know? So in the background, I always have music on, and there are times when ACDC is a little too intense, you know? Uh, and sometimes you need it because it makes you focus when you have to do, like, government records, you know? And I always screw them up, which I just got a check back from the ABC uh, for $128. Uh, this is not due. You owe nothing else. And I'm like, seriously, you sent me the Awesome. You know, it cost it up $175 to send, to send that check. That, right? <laughs> I'm like, you know, and it was sent in December. <laughs> well, I don't, you know, I don't know about you guys, but up in Healdsburg, we get our mail because I live outside the city limits. We've been getting our mail like twice a week huh. because the carriers, we found out there's 18 employees at Healdsburg post office. 11 of them were out with COVID at one time. Wow. So, you know, we'd go to the mailbox and it's a mile away from us because it's down, down the this driveway and then on the main road. And nope, nothing today. No bills. No, no. And then you, you get a stack that's three inches thick and overdue, past due. Past due. Right. We're going to turn your PG&E out. Oh, you, sorry. You got, you got solar panels. <laughs> yeah, well, PG&E bill you know is pretty much. My, my true up was the first couple of years was less than $300. My bill now is over 200 a month because of the rate increases that PG&E's made. And the natural gas and the... Well, I have propane. Power bills have been out of control. Any other comments on the Chardonnay? Uh, The Chardonnay is still what you think. Fucking amazing. If you let the 18... Brian's uh, about to get in so much trouble. (laughs) If you uh, let the 18, like, just sit it on your counter with a a cork in it. Don't put it in the fridge. Mm -hmm. Let it sit there for a couple days, then go back to it. Let it get some oxygen in there. And it'll help buy uh, two cases, Brian, you know, it'll help it with a little bit, but the 17 really does taste good right now. Yeah. The 17 was what was released this week. 
Yeah, yesterday or the day before. And then the 18 will be next year. Or yeah, if it tastes good, you know, and she's out of wine. and I, I know the 17's gone past. I think she's less than 50 cases. Well, now. Bob, you make beautiful wines. Yeah, they well, are really you. stunning. Yeah, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff. Last but not least. Good stuff. The moment we've all been waiting for. That's right. The Riesling. The Riesling. Two this is how you know we're nerds. Yes. We're like, Ted, <laughs> this is some this of the greatest is. Pinot Noir and Chardonnay in California. Let's have the Riesling. Right? <laughs> right? Well, wait till you taste the acids on this stuff, man. So, two vineyards that I grafted in 2016. Uh, one up on a ridge in Occidental and one kind of southwest of Petaluma going out towards Two Rock. So different soils, both pretty cold. Wow. Cold, cold areas. This is nice. And then the, the 16, I think, is what Heather still has on the the website. Uh, Boy, she's got a few cases left. That's the Zalala Ranch up from uh, Washington we, out of nice. Yakima. But this will these will be the next two that come out. Um done in a concrete amphora uh again the the native yeast and then um it stays in there till i think i'm going to try and bottle the 2021 i can either do it in eight, late april or in june and i um i think it needs to be in april this that the 21 vintage just the development of it and bob just tell us a little bit just um about amphora for you like what's so it's a concrete egg upside down yeah so it's porous it um the shape of it uh, i can never get the wine to go clear so if you pull a sample even from the top the leaves almost stay suspended all the time just with ambient um highs and low pressures um and it adds texture to the to the uh to the but when's the first time you ever worked with one of those I did concrete eggs at William Salyam in 2006. Wow. Uh, I first tasted some Sauvignon Blanc. I was actually tasting Cabernet varietals with uh, Jennifer Williams, who was the winemaker at Spotswood at the time. Mm-hmm. And she was doing Sauvignon Blanc. barrel. She took a lot and did barrel ferment. Third of it barrel ferment. Third of it in concrete. Third of it in stainless. And then she put the samples in front of me. And, you know, I called her a liar because they tasted so different. I could not believe that that concrete egg was still the same juice. The barrel fermented stuff tasted like oaky uh, saw blanc. But the uh, the texture and the mouthfeel on the egg. And I found out that doing some research, um, Thomas, uh, he was at Quintessa. No. Uh, he worked for KJ many years ago. It's like a nephew to Mel Knox. Anyway, I'll think of his last name. He had uh, imported like the first couple of them in either 2001 or 2002 into the States and was doing Sauv Blanc at Quintessa. Huh. Um, and that's, I think, where Jennifer... So I did Chenin <clears throat> uh, Blanc from Vista Verde down in the central coast. So Chenin Blanc on a uh, Burgundian rootstock because there was so much uh, limestone up there. We couldn't get like 420A or 3309 or or 101.14 to grow. It just was too toxic. 
And so we found a, a rootstock John Dyson did that came through Cornell through FPMS at UC Davis. We got a hold of that and then grafted a, a shin and um, budwood onto it. And yeah. And that, was for, that was for Salium? William Salium, yeah. So the first one I bottled, though, wasn't until 2008. Yeah. I love the 18. You love the 18? So the 7 no. is just starting, I think, or 17 to me is it's starting to um, come around. You know, it was the first crop basically after it had been grafted. So there wasn't a lot of fruit. Decent concentration. Alcohol, 12-1, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. The eight, the eighteen to me has much more tension, much more concentration. Yeah. So, you know, you're Bob Cabral. You've made Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. I am Bob. You've Cabral. made all these things. Yeah. Bob Cabral wines. Why? I mean, Riesling. Why Riesling? Because yeah. you wanted something that was hard to sell. Like what was? Yeah, it? exactly. <laughs> um, I figured if I wasn't going to lose enough money on the Chardonnay and the uh, Pinot Noir, that let's let's pick a variety that like nobody wants that you couldn't give away uh i've been trading wines with ernie lozen for probably 30 years now i met ernie before my william salium days and then um when i was at william salium like you know it was always retail for retail so i get like 10 cases of wine for two cases of william salium. Oh my God. <laughs> so i was drinking a lot of i still have a lot of ernie's you know 07s 08s 09s i like the aged reasons so, um, it just it's in, to me a very intriguing varietal that I think almost in my mind um, shows the typicity of the site even more so than kind of Chardonnay. Um, Chardonnay we can somewhat manipulate, you know, oak. Um, this we can manipulate to some extent, but you know, you taste the German or the Alsatian rieslings. I had a girl work for me in 1996 at Alderbrook who ended up marrying Jean-Michel Dice at Domaine Marcel Dice up in, in um, Alsace. And so I, I'd gone over to France a couple times to visit her and she'd take me out to the vineyards and it was just amazing the wines that, that they were making there and very much intrigued me to try it. I wasn't sure that there were parts of California that were cold enough. And the funny thing that Ernie Lozen said now, since global warming, they have like six out of 10 years that are good vintages. Back in the 60s and 70s, no good vintages. Hmm. Nothing got ripe. The 80s, one or two. 90s, one. But he said in the 2000s, he goes, we're cranking out some wines now that are smoking so but the scary thing is is that it's killing the rest of us too, well and it's know? and it's gonna kill them eventually like absolutely you know yeah and that's that's the sad part of it all you know i mean they're making um, sparkling wines on in england now i don't know if you saw that 60 good minutes ones. yeah good ones <laughs> you've you've got tanager i believe yeah. uh, uh with a big investment there now yeah. There's an yeah. enterprise vineyards client uh, you know, who counts their money with bees who wants Phil to go over to England with them and help them find land to put in a sparkling wine production. Yeah. It's just like, and that's, 
you know, you, you move north, you move east, you move out to the next place, you know, up the up the latitude to find the right weather, right? I mean, absolutely. But even that show, like I watched that a couple of times, actually, is that the line keeps moving. Yeah. That, yeah, you can I invest agree. in that area, but then you, what I'd rather do is invest in the area under <laughs> or above that area right. and be ahead of the game. Right. Yeah. Well, Bordeaux is um, testing. They're spending a French are spending a lot of money to to figure out varieties that they can plant. Yeah, in Bordeaux. What's and the still new maintain. Bordeaux look like then? Yeah, uh, that's what they're waiting to see. You know, looks like Portugal. I mean, really? That's, that's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. gonna. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, they're gonna lose a lot, aren't they? In brand. Well, I mean. <laughs> Are they going to lose in brand, or the brand has to evolve? I mean, you know, the French. If you want an old Bordeaux, steeped in history, yeah, right, yep. and um, and the world's changing around them. When everything's wow. so locked in with France, it's not like here where we can go, oh, you know what? Like Morgan, let's, let's play around with some Portuguese varietals and see if they they fit in. But that's that. what they're. Do- I mean, that's exactly what they're doing in Bordeaux. They just allowed. Uh, and more varieties in their Portuguese varieties, right? It's like Torrigo Nacional and something else. They just added to the list of things that are wow. okay in Bordeaux. Um, and, you know, probably did it earlier than they would have had to. Right. But I think it's exactly that. They're trying to get trying to get ahead of it so you can build the brand where, you know, there's maybe there isn't Merlot and Cab Franc because it's too hot or too dry. Yep. But, you know, they're going to supplement those flavor profiles in your red Bordeaux blend with, you know, something Portuguese or something Spanish or, um, you know, some what, Grenache. What's really killing Europe right now, if you've watched the, especially Burgundy, because I, I go out there once, I was supposed to be there actually last week and we canceled for a couple of different reasons. Um, you know, the extreme cold weather late, the, the frost that just decimated France last year. So mm-hmm. that, you know, it's not just, if you will, the heating of the earth, yeah. but the shifting of these uh, traumatic events where we're seeing even in the United States, you know, it doesn't rain through the Midwest. It floods, no. you know, and all of a sudden it, it's flash floods across you know, starts in Texas and then works its way up to Virginia and everything in that diagonal gets trashed. I mean, trashed. And that's something that I think we need to think, you know, what are you doing? You know, we never saw these kinds of events. And, and in the case, if you're a grape grower in France, you know, they got, they've been hit with, with frost. I was out there in 2016, 2016, in Chablis, where they lost like 90% yeah. of the, I mean, everything was brown and black and falling off. Yeah. And this was March. Yeah. This was March. And that was a problem with the whole global warming um, right terminology is that is then all the other people call bullshit. Well, it's, it's not too hot. What are you talking about? It's too cold. Well, no, what we're talking about is extremes. Extremes. Yeah. Right. We're not, you know, it, it didn't. Like it's not like ten degrees warmer, you right. know. It's a couple degrees warmer, but yeah. the ocean's a couple degrees warmer, which means yeah. you've got polar melts on either right. side. All of that—that's the big deal. Yeah. And in between there, then you've got the the extremes. Yeah. Well, you know, around here where we have uh, sixteen rosé, I found one in my oh, cellar, Brian. Remember, we had this yeah. discussion. So I made another one in twenty-one. Okay. I haven't made a rosé since. 
And I got people like, I got one lady wants a barrel's worth. She wants 25 <laughs> cases. And uh, she had had one of the 16s that's recently. A, that's a bottle a night with a couple nights off, right? Yeah. For the rest, you know, of, for the rest, of, the, for the rest of the people in the industry. Beautiful. So I thought we would just revisit it because I haven't had it in a while. Um, and we've had this discussion on the on the podcast before about aged rosé. Yeah. That, yeah. This is a thing. Um, well, partially yum. barrel fermented, partially skin mm, fermented, right. partial mallow. God, these it's are like, how difficult could you make a wine? And that's why it took me six more years or five <laughs> more vintages to do it again because I was just too dang lazy. I know nothing about making complicated rosés. Right? Yeah. <laughs> or having <laughs> four rosé right. skews. <laughs> Yeah, some guy brought in a 2014 Domaine de Temp- Tempier um, rosé the other night, and I was so excited. To- well, that's probably, I mean, with Tempier, that's, it's not, you know, just starting to hit its stride, but it's probably, like, peaking. If you can if you can hold mm-hmm. out on your Tempier for seven years. There it is. There it is. So, you know, this wine is evolving into what I had hoped it, it would evolve into. Um you know, you're getting some of the savoriness that yeah. you get out of Pinot Noir. I, I like the herbs. It's not just that bubblegummy watermelon. I make a lot of those for other people, and it's all good. They sell them, and, and it pays the bills. No, oh, it's fun. But that's not what I wanted to do with this wine. Oh. And so, um, you know, I wanted something that had a little bit of thought to it. Yeah. And uh, it is a really good food wine. And what prompted me is uh, I'd actually gotten a text from... Sammy, Sammy Hagar and Kari were in their house in Cabo and he literally had opened one like a month and a half ago and sent me a text and said um, best taco wine I've ever had <laughs> so they were eating tacos and yeah. I thought perfect that, yeah. that is exactly that's awesome he was like this blew my mind away and you know that's what makes me happy and it doesn't have to be just Sammy Hager, but any customer. Yeah. I love getting those texts. I really do. It warms my heart. Yeah. Um, because I want to touch your soul with my wines. Yeah. You know, I really do. I think we all do. Yeah. You know, um, that's that's just part we, of it. You you get to with wine. Right? Yeah. You have this opportunity. Right. If we were making beer, maybe. Yeah. If you're making spirits, maybe. But it's not. It's not as real an opportunity as we have with wine like music so, does to me yeah totally. like you know like you're having one of those days and a song comes on your playlist or the radio and you just go yeah i'm just grateful to be able to listen to that right now yeah totally you know when i love that that it was with tacos because you know when someone says oh we waited for this special occasion it was our anniversary and we ordered this tacos tacos <laughs> Cause that's what I would drink it with, right? You know, I mean, I mean think about mm. with some like, just some like carne asada, really simple t- dab of salsa on it right now. For sure, this would be where it's at. Yeah. Uh, the seventeen riesling. My wife makes great chicken and dumplings. Yeah. She puts carrots and all kind, and we had that Monday night. And she goes, "Go grab some wine." Of course, she wanted Pinot, and I did yeah. get a bottle of Pinot. But I go try this. And she was like, this is because she's not a big Riesling fan. She's on that, you know, could you give me something harder to sell? (laughs) No, Riesling's probably it, hon. Um, But once they taste it. Because you can't get any good Sangiovese out that part. Yeah, (laughs) right, right, right. right. 
or or uh, Ribola Giala or something like that. You know, like yeah, exactly. I sell Ribola Giala. Yeah, no. For yourself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. When when other industry people walk in there. Shout out to Arby Garvey and to Steve Mathiasen. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Steve makes a great one. He Thank really you. does. Yeah. yeah. Um, Your dumplings, are they uh, uh, round dumplings or strips? Uh, the dumplings are, are a dough that she floats on top that then kind of cooks from the... So they almost look like a biscuit. Okay. That's uh, basically been steamed because yeah. it's it's at a not quite a boil, oh, uh, but she does day. the chicken in a crock pot first, and she has the seasoning, and it's it's not difficult. It's just kind of I think it's a little complicated because she has this takes her the better part There's of time. a day. It's time consuming. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It's time consuming. Yeah. The chopping is the biggest thing. Yeah. So um, she tries to wrangle me in to do some of the chopping. Yeah. Which is fine. You know, she's got a little bit of arthritis, osteoarthritis, and then in one of her hands, too, the inner. So, you know. Sent her out pruning one too many times. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. She stirred too many barrels. Yeah. <laughs> Should have used the drill. Should have used the drill, hon. Yeah. So that's kind of Bob Cabral wines. I'm, I'm going to, yeah. you know, really make a push at this. I'll probably always keep a couple of clients because I like working with the people. Um and their well, projects because you like can experiment do. on their wines and spend their money right. <laughs> <laughs> and go yeah we're not doing that <laughs> you know but the thing of like we've done some kind of fun things at three sticks and you know they have the adobe down the road here at 143 west bain street <laughs> thank you um, i always forget to say all that stuff they um they can sell the pinot blanc you know 10 yeah. barrels of pinot blanc to the the customers through the adobe or you know and um there is going to be a time and that's part of our plan is we're going to need like a tasting house i i i'd never been to the 16600 tasting house and it's spectacular yeah. it's it's a lot of what I would want couches and music. I want people again. It's, it's bringing that calmness to a crazy world. Yeah. Well, come, come and just be happy and, yeah. and, and um, be grateful just to be like breathing at that yeah. point. You well, know? you know, where do you, where do you drink wine? You drink yeah. wine at home yeah. in your living room, in your dining room, at your yeah. bar with friends. The fact that we make these edifices that are nothing like home. Right. And then expect you to have the same experience when you take our, bottle of wine home just makes no sense to me that's what yeah. that's what this is all about. it's a tasting house it's a house right. it's a home and people come in here especially locals they're like oh you, you live here right <laughs> like, well there's no shower otherwise i would but uh, i mean you know and, and there's nowhere else to live in sonoma but uh it should have that feeling because yeah. this is where you drink wine yeah. oh 100 percent. you know we because of covid and everything i did host some of our customers out on our back patio by the pool and, you know, you're just looking out at these old Zen vineyards in Dry Creek because we sit kind of at the top of this hill and it, it goes down 50, 75 feet to some rolling old vine Zins. And it's just I'm grateful that I even can live there and then to share it with a couple of glasses of wine out there. People dig that more than if we had this formal tasting oh, they're, room. They're going to tell that story. Well, these, these guys just bought a bunch more wine. They were, they were, yeah. uh, it was a bunch of doctor, this friend of mine, he's a doctor and it was a mini reunion from med school. 
well, you know, now they're all retired. So, well, th- they asked about a discount because they can't not do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you explain where, where, what we're trying to do here. And uh, they're like, yeah, I'll take a case, two cases, three cases. You know, yeah. can you ship it to my house here, to my other house over here, wherever you want it. Yeah. Tell you what, you got three houses to ship the wine to, but yeah. you wanted a discount, right? Well, yeah, but that's why they have so much money, Sam. Come on, you know. Whereas I would just be grateful that I could get the wine, and I'm like, okay, whatever it costs, it costs. And they work hard. Whatever. They do. Yeah. You know these these guys, healthcare professionals. I I don't see why any young person would want to go into it now. And my, they're not. Well, my daughter's on a uh, her uh, friend is on one of her best friends from high school is on a full scholarship to Colgate in New York on a medical scholarship. Yeah. She's going to be a medical doctor, and I don't know what area exactly, but you know, kudos to her, man. Yeah. That's that's a that's a grind, and I um I wish Alana the best. I always do. Yeah. God, you almost want you know. Maybe we should have given a discount to the doctors. <laughs> Oh, my, my, call on, six, this, call, on this winery 16600, we'll give you the discount that Bob Cabral wouldn't give you. No, no, no. If you get my wife, they, the one of them just, uh, just wrangled my wife into a discount. Okay. Yeah. You know, in the end, you're, we're in the wine selling business. And, yeah. You know. And, you know, somebody that's bought a couple of cases before, it's like, yeah, we can pick up shipping or, you know, let's give them, uh, you know, if he's really buying a whole case, there's there's yeah. no reason not yeah. to. Doesn't do anybody any good to have a bunch of wine in a warehouse. You're in the wine storage business, yeah, exactly. which is not, you know, not I, I've worked at a few of those wineries, too. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're flying on American Airlines and that's their house. <laughs> wine, <you know? laughs> See, you guys have all been there, right? I don't know what you're talking about, Bob. <laughs> Okay, well, thanks, guys. Oh, my God. Um, thank you, I, Bob. Yeah, the wines are fantastic. Yeah, awesome. thank you. Yeah. That old rosé, what a treat that is. So yeah. I am definitely leaving all of these. Oh, and then wow. To, as a gift there, because I wasn't sure if any of these were corked, because I hadn't popped them all the way. Um, there are a couple more unopened, oh. and I'll let you, I'm going to let, it's like cats and dogs. I'll let you guys fight over all oh my this God. stuff. And thank you. It's it's all good. <laughs> And you know, um, and yeah, Brian, to think you weren't gonna come today. <laughs> thanks for bringing and there's tasting corks notes around too. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a few tasting. You know, I we can all geek out together, but I also want the consumers to know. You know, as you guys look at these, the chemistries. The fun part is is trying to get that picking date so that they are a similar wine for that vintage. I love to have the vintage come through. And if the pH is a little bit lower and the TA is a little bit higher in this one, that's what mother nature gave me. But as long as you see the continuity in the blends that I'm, the cuvées I'm putting together, because they're not single wines, that's what's most important to me. When you pick up a bottle of Anne Rose Chardonnay, it tastes like Anne Rose Chardonnay no matter where I got the grapes from or no matter what mother nature threw at us that year. And, um, I love blending wine that to me, that's way better than, than anything else, you know, trying uh, to pick those, trying to nail those pick dates is why you meditate every morning. Well, <laughs> calm, and, calm and you know, in, yeah. uh, crews don't show up. Tractors break down. People do not know what happens. Trucks run out harvest. of fuel. It's like, yeah. it's it forklifts break. And- yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, you just got to punt with all of it. Uh, there hasn't been a situation where I think I've ever had a disaster, disaster. You figure it out. Calm heads prevail. Yeah. 
You know, take, take a deep breath. <laughs> One time somebody asked me, what are you going to do about it? It was a big problem. And I said, uh, it's noon. I'm going to go have lunch. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly you what know? I just did. <laughs> you know, that's the, sometimes you just got to yeah. walk away from the problem and then yeah. it gets solved on, on, on yeah. another level. So if it was easy, they'd call it making beer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> on that note. All right. Shout out. Bobcabralwines.com. That's it. Bobcabralwines.com. That's an easy um, one. Yeah. It's uh, a good thing. Shoutouts. You're a drug dealer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. When's this coming up? I got a release coming soon. We got to talk. We haven't. We didn't talk about it, and I didn't let Brian last time. We'll talk about the Maya Commons Olds thing with Enterprise right. Vineyards and 16600. We'll get her on um, next time around. Next time Felt around. so guilty about no, it's all good. I just I didn't want to piss off the writers who thought they had exclusives. Yeah, right. can't scoop them with our own show, man. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. I wanted to make sure the conglomerates didn't yeah. think something was going on. Yeah. Right. We were holding out for that final offer because <laughs> <laughs> the six conglomerates that were there ready to to <laughs> to buy sixteen six hundred. Well, thanks, everybody. Much appreciate you guys listening. We love you. Peace and love. We'll see you next week. I have to make that choice. What billionaire do I sell to? (laughs) 